another challenge that we have every single week when we make our um, episodes like you know we both do marketing obviously me and Connor um, so you know we said we're gonna try to do like a social media push we're gonna push it out through our Instagram channels like people that we think might be interested in these topics because really you know what we do teach us something cool it's just a, essentially it's a book club but for learning cool shit every week right we want to yeah. learn something new every week um, talk to dope people like Joe Rogan talks to he talks yeah. to some of the most interesting people in the world um, that are some of the best people, you know, in their field as well. Uh, so we wanted to have the opportunity to do something like that. And we knew people that were very high level were talking on Clubhouse. We've been in rooms, like I've been in a room with Naval, Robicon. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he's the fucking man. Oh, yeah. He's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, you know, probably the, one of the wisest, if not the wisest guy in the yeah. world. Yeah, he's modern day Gandhi in my head. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's, he's, he's awesome. Um, so I've been in a room with him, been in a room with Vlad from uh, Robin Hood. Um, oh, okay. That, all that GameStop debacle was going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, 21 Savage, like just randomly <laughs> in every room it felt like. What? Um, so you're in rooms with like very high level people. The, the challenge then is like, how can I talk to them? Like, how can I interview these people? We need to grow something that gets big enough. To where you know, Twenty One Savage to wants to come into your group, yeah, right. It's so like a, it's like a cameo type thing, except uh, they want to be in it just for the sake of the conversation or whatever the topic is. Right, exactly. So that was the the thing too. Is like you know we wanted people to come on there. Like that's why we have guests on there every week because I don't think people you know I love the sound of my voice. Don't get me wrong, but I don't even want to listen to myself talk for yeah. two hours. Yeah, people want to listen to like people who know about this stuff holy shit those those doctors on that episode for the coronavirus episode i was i'd never been more engaged when i was listening to your guys episodes or your discussions like those guys there was three of them i remember the ucla guy and then the other two were randoms right they just randomly joined and they were fucking unreal they were so funny and like you know it's not that they were funny yeah it's not even that they were funny it was just funny because they came out of nowhere (laughs) and we had our killer tim on there too tim yeah Tim popped out of nowhere, another random guy. You know, as soon as I heard Epstein and COVID, I'm like, I got to gravitate towards this. This is great. <laughs> yeah, it's um, good content. And then there was another doctor. Like, there was a handful <clears throat> of doctors in the audience, but like one of them specifically, I guess, we came to find out later on, she had written something um, about COVID being uh, manufactured in a lab in Wuhan, um, which the evidence points to, but uh, we'll stay off of COVID. <laughs> Uh, she had like 1,800 citations on like this piece of work she had put together. Holy so shit. So it's like she had actually done her research. She knew her shit. I'm like, wait, wait, how do we not find this out? Like while we were, you know, doing it, we should have had her on the stage talking about it. But yeah, there's, there's so much like research or articles that are posted out there now. It's like, you're not going to come across all the good ones. Oh my God. I know. So that ended up being like one of our best episodes. Um, yeah. But in the beginning, like you said, with your podcast, you know, you only have a handful of listeners. Typically, it's your friends. Like, I've, yeah. from starting enough things, I don't even tell my friends about half the shit I do anymore. I'm like, when I build it and it's good enough, like, they'll find it up, They'll find it themselves. Yeah. Like, I love getting hit up. Like, dude, I didn't know you do this. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, it's, it's, it's so exciting, actually. Me and Jesse talk about this sometimes. It's like, 
you know when you explain to someone like the like what you do is for teaching something cool i do the same thing for the podcast and they're like you fucking podcast are on spotify and i'm like fuck yeah and i like it sounds so cool in my head and i'm like damn these people actually probably think it's really cool because i know if i had a friend that was making a podcast and it's not like what we do is like extremely hard it just takes time and like commitment like like you said you've been doing it for 10 weeks that's 10 episodes but 10 weeks of consistently doing it like it is it is a job or a part-time job in of in and of itself oh it's a lot of work that goes into it <laughs> yeah it, it, it gets better over time obviously and when more people get involved the conversation you know less of that weight falls on connor and myself and more of it can be you know spread around yeah um, so when we're talking about topics like you know what history of rome that was one of our best weeks actually and i forgot to hit record on that because i'm a fucking no, idiot but no. um, it was that was the first time that we had random people hop in our room random people hop on the stage and like talk with us but i majored in history so like i had to carry the weight of that episode uh, i love roman history but i spent like you know three four solid days that week like going for like 10 plus hours relearning all my history learning more in depth about it um, so that if it came down to it needing to be me to carry the entire conversation, we just go. Something I could, uh, fortunately, um, there was one other person who joined Tobin, uh, Tobin is a killer. Oh my God. Absolute I can tell G just the he way he talks and like, like the way he like, uh, addresses certain topics. It's like, he's so formal and well-educated. You can tell it's, I love listening to him. <laughs> so smart. Tobin is like one of my favorite people. What was the connection? How did you guys meet him? Was that? What was the connection? How did you know him? One of Slater's best friends from high school. Um, oh, and he knew a decent amount about Roman history, so Slater invited him on that week. And, uh, you know, he, he's not even a history major. Like, he's a science guy. <laughs> um, that's why he knew so much about COVID. But um, that was his uncle also, by the way, Dr. Yates. Uh, oh, that's his UCLA. uncle at UCLA. Mm -hmm. Okay. Impressive. Yeah. You can tell that's a smart family then. Oh my god! So I loved smart. everything he was talking about, about music. Like he, he knew he was well rounded for every topic that I've heard him talk about. <laughs> he he knows like I take a lot a lot of pride in knowing a little bit about a lot of things. Like yeah. he knows like a lot of bit about a lot of things. Yeah, he can go in detail about a lot. Yeah, um, no, it's it's cool to hear him talk about anything. <laughs> so that was the first episode though. Was Rome when I had to like really take three to four days. Like I already work a lot as is, but you know, three to four days to learn my shit so I can teach people and not lead. I don't want to ever lead anyone awry and tell them wrong information. Um, and so I did that, but you know, Tobin joined in and then we had like this random dude, Pierre showed up, uh, and he knew a pretty decent amount about Rome as well. So like he ended up talking for like 20 minutes. That conversation went like three hours before we knew it. We had like three before that week we had our highest, uh, audience was like 12 people. That week, we we had to do a hard stop. I think we peaked at like 35 or 40. Mm -hmm. And we had to do a hard stop after three hours. So it was like midnight here. Um, oh, wow. And there were still like 26 people left in the crowd like listening. I'm like, this is... That was like the first week. We're like, that was fucking sick. And I didn't hit record. So oh, that geez. conversation's gone forever. But um, It's a lot there, when you think about it. Grown. Like when you're like thinking about actually talking to 40 people. Like, oh, yeah. like considering the numbers that other shows or podcasts or whatever get, it doesn't seem like a lot, but if, you're, if you think like you're in a room addressing 40 people, it is a lot. Especially in Clubhouse, dude. Like, yeah. Clubhouse it's live. is kind of be in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we have time to 
outline some things and if we don't like what we say we can just edit it out we don't edit much out we just kind of like maybe cut like certain like pauses out or if someone had to take a piss then we'll we'll cut that out but other than that like oh, dude. we can think it through i'd take a piss live on the air like i gotta like <laughs> just leave my phone and my laptop in here and i gotta sprint and like connor you take over for the next two minutes I'll be right yeah. back it is i drink like five bottles of water during it too so there's multiple bathroom breaks if it goes three hours yeah you're getting dry mouth when you're talking a lot too so you and connor are both you're in separate rooms at the office doing this every time uh connor's at his apartment it was it used to oh be yeah like yeah, yeah. We would I in our own separate offices and um uh we would do it there and then like it was easier because we, we planned it in the uh the next morning but that was a big thing was thursday mornings were what went well what didn't go well uh, what can we improve on and how can we improve like creating some action items for the week um yeah it's important to address like being your own critic every time like yeah jesse and i have a rule like don't take anything personal whenever we're uh you know talking about because our new format where i do my personal reviews he does his own reviews we kind of critique each other and we'll try to give pointers you can't take anything personal it's literally business it's trying to get better at it each week but uh oh yeah that's just a part of the creative process and you and Connor do that. Usually you guys have to tell each other what you got to make better, what you need to change. Yeah. It's, it's just an approach to, and it's like, what, did, you know, what did we do well? What didn't we do well? And, you know, and when it's a we thing, it's a lot easier to take the criticism than when it's like, you didn't do this well, that's, you know, people get defensive. They go on the defense right away. Cause it feels like it's intact. And, you know, in reality, this is a joint effort. And, uh, well, he's actually FaceTiming me right now, but I thought I would call him back. <laughs> So when you guys were first talking about teach us something cool, what is what it is now? What you guys originally talked about, or how has the the overall idea of what it was going to be changed, or you know, what was that original creative process discussion like? <laughs> um, it was the first teach us something cool. It was a matter of like I do SEO, I can also do clickbait if I want to. So how can we? <laughs> you know, get random people to join our room that don't know us. Well, let's just call it teach us something cool. Right. Um, so we did that and then that kind of carried itself. And we did one like a few days later, which was like our first Wednesday on Bitcoin and people kind of gravitated towards that. But at the end of the day, it was like just six of us just shooting the shit about Bitcoin. Cause we loved, you know, we love cryptocurrency. All of us have been in it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, since like 2016 or 27, uh, 2017, the next week was a complete flop. We did space and none of us majored in science or anything space related and none of us took it seriously either. <laughs> so it ended up being It's a sick six. topic if you know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, it was it was a dope topic, don't get me wrong. We had some people in there who did know a little bit about space, but it was ended up being really like six dudes who were just all it was it's like nine o'clock at night, so like Winding down, most of us, if not all of us, were getting high and, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, just unwinding. And then someone would drop something like crazy about space. Like, did <laughs> you know that there's things that we can't see in the universe and that we'll never be able to see because it's expanding at a rate faster than the speed of light? And then you just have like six dudes, like in sync, all oh. just like, whoa. <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> there's no <laughs> yeah, it's like you're watching one of those like trippy YouTube videos where like someone tells you something cool about space and you're just like, whoa, dude, <laughs> heavy, like just <laughs> terrible conversation. Yeah. So from that week on, like, we started to take it more seriously. Like if we got, if we're going to build something, we got to take it serious. Yeah. There's going to be some structure. And, uh, we did. But it was just about like, we wanted, to, we all wanted to learn something cool every week. 
You know, it's uh, people who are growth minded, um, just wanting to learn something new. Doesn't matter for me, like if it, a little bit. Like I don't want to learn about just like the most random thing. I can learn about like just random facts here and there. I know a bunch of random facts. Yeah. But learning about cool topics, like learning more about Rome, is something I've wanted to do. Like learning more in depth about it. And I took, I didn't take it too seriously in college. Like I know more than the average guy, but not that much. Like talking to people who know about crypto that know more than I know. Um, people yeah. uh, teaching me about space has been dope because we've had two episodes on that now. People teaching us about um, COVID nineteen. Uh, like actual scientists talking to doctors is so fun. <laughs> that was awesome. Like, that was the goal. Yeah. No, it's, uh, the, I love the, the idea of it, of just shooting the shit, because it's, you, you know you love shooting the shit with just your friends, and then that's what me and Jesse did, we were like, because we've, we've played video games together for like a decade, at least it feels like it, and it's like, all these nights, mm-hmm. we'd just shooting the shit together, talking, some nights we would stay up later and just talk about random shit, we were like, why don't we just record us, why don't we just record us doing it, and before you know it, we have these outlines and these, like, uh, recording software and like we were like putting so much into it and you just start to enjoy it and you start to actually like appreciate what the whole thing is and you were like all right i want to grow this i want to do better each week and uh like with with teach us something cool at least you guys can just pull content from other people like that's mm-hmm. that's kind of why we we did like five episodes or like four episodes before we were like all right we need a guest because it ran dry when it was just him and i talking over and over and over again we're like, we need a guest. diversity. Yeah. And so we're like, all right, we need new people. And that's what's awesome about your guys' thing is you can pull up expert for each topic every week if you just, you know, get the right person or, you know, interview the right people, like with the doctors in the one episode. Um, when you have experts, especially doctors, like, you know, with masters or doctorates behind them backing their information that they tell you, it's a whole lot more interesting. They also know how to talk because they're probably professors or teachers or whatever it's so fun to engage with those people on a oh, yeah. background level aside from school. Cause like there's doctors in like college that I've had conversations with. that's like, all right, I know you're smart and this is like really cool what you're doing here, but like you're giving me a C so fuck you. And aside from that, if you're just talking to them as a regular human, you can actually enjoy the conversation and make it contributable for both sides. Yeah. It's, it's nice talking to people who know what they're talking about like, yeah. at an expert level. Right. That was, that was what was great about COVID. Another great episode we did was in the music industry. That one, you know, I'm still not posting because of, uh, some controversy, but you know, controversy, it, it generated our biggest crowd ever. Oh. Um, but because of the people involved, you might have, I, mean, I don't, I doubt that they're the people canceling them are going to be listening to this, but yeah, I remember um, the topic. Yeah. Yeah, I got, dude, I almost got, can- I, they tried to cancel me, they came after my head. <laughs> the, the, the angry mob came after me. I, I narrowly avoid, narrowly evade being canceled every day of my life. I, yeah, I remember, and I heard, it, it's they, annoying. They came from my head, dude. Like, they were telling me to kill myself for someone I was going to have on the show. And, and they like, don't even fucking know you, they don't know shit about you or the show, they're just, you, you don't know. even know what I've been through. <laughs> yeah, they don't know what <laughs> it's like. You don't know what it's like being raised upper middle class. You don't know what it's struggle. All right, that might be controversial. <laughs> no, dude, it was it was a fun time though. But like, we got to talk to people about the music industry and like learn shit and like they told us more than than I think you can find out there. Honestly, for what it's really like to be part of a band that is making it that does go on the road and they did 150 shows a year. One dude almost died on tour. Like, fly, like oh they, yeah, they that was nice. Ice. 
and uh, the dude went flying through the windshields in Wyoming. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it basically the only reason that he's alive is because it was so cold outside that like he landed on a median and it, it kind of kept him like still, it kept his body still rather than kind of going all over the place. So where the EMTs could arrive 15 minutes later, take him to the ER um, and basically, you know, have surgery after surgery after surgery to uh, save him. So that was some oh crazy my, shit that people yeah. don't hear about. And you want to hear those stories from those like wacky lives. Like that's that's what I literally was listening to an episode of Jorga today where he was like, I want to interview that guy that works for Area 51 and they can tell me some crazy fucking story. Like if anyone that has a crazy story or job or life, I want them on the show and I'm sure you guys want them on Teach Us Something Cool because it's like, all right, that's amazing content. Not only is the crowd going to enjoy it, but I'm going to enjoy it. And it's like for me a little bit more than it is for the crowd. It's like, all right, I want to talk to these cool people and learn more about what's going on in their lives. But, um, like, I guess with, well, first question, do you guys have a list of ideas for other topics? Like, do you guys have like, like a a sheet or notes where it's like all these other topics that you want to get to on the show? Like, what are some cool ones that you guys have in mind? Or do you just, is it every week you randomly come up with it? So we try to plan, like before we, we did have a list and that's what I was pulling up in my notes. So like the first one was uh, it was Bitcoin space, the, the looming market crash. Um, uh, one of the cool ones that I liked a lot in the 80s, um, investing strategies. Like it was a lot of investing stuff. That's why I tried to kind of stray away from there for a little bit. Um, censorship. Uh, China. That could probably go hand in hand. China, um, China is a whole topic. <laughs> China, yeah, China is a whole topic. Like, that's uh, going to be a little difficult to pull yeah. off, so we'll have to kind of narrow down a little bit. Um, yeah, for me, Paradox was on our list for a long time. Uh, apes and gorillas. <laughs> like, you guys just throw topics out there and I'll write them down. Apes and gorillas, I don't know when or if we're ever going to do that, but uh, that was in our original notes. Yeah, you guys could do so much for each episode. and Well, you guys could just dive into any paradox. Like, you could do the grandfather paradox or what's it called? The uh, the belt belt loop paradox. It's like, you could just do a whole episode of paradoxes like where it's just, you know, weird outside-the-box thinking. What is, what's the belt loop paradox? It might not be belt loop. It might be it might be, it's belt something. And it's along the lines of, grand, you know, the grandfather paradox, at least, right? No. Like, where if it's basically if you go back in time and kill your grandfather, how could you kill your grandfather? Cause then you were never born. Uh, and almost like similar like the butterfly effect paradoxes in general as a topic is crazy. Cause it's just, you know, asking your mind questions that it's never considered before. Oh, they're, they're, they're super fascinating and just like fun to, to explore. And it, that's right. the topics that you're going to get the stoners on the show. And they're just going to be like, whoa like they're not going to know anything else to say other than just whoa and and like no one's going to contribute except for the people that actually know what they're talking about exactly that is uh it's both a a fun part of the show and a challenge too is like you know how many stoners can you listen you know to them speak like even when i'm stoned i don't want to listen to myself talk all the time because half the time i'm not making any sense or my sentences are getting you know they're incomplete i can't complete my thoughts yeah, you're just talking real slow. Like, there's, it's not fun talking to stoners unless you're high with them. It's like, you fucking, right. dumb, you dumbass. <laughs> Speak Which faster. Which is another idea I've had for, like, a podcast or, like, a show of just, like, calling it the hot box. 
where you talk about like cool concepts, but like the idea is everyone there should be stoned. Yeah. I, so. uh, I had a friend last year that actually did a podcast. It was called high five and they Ooh. would get high and record an hour of them just talking random shit. And it was usually funny just cause you knew, like it was funny for me cause I knew who he was. Like I knew his personality sense of humor, but I think if the average person just clicked on a random stoners podcast, they're like, what the fuck? This guy's an idiot. <laughs> Right. It would have to be like a podcast like made for that community too, right? Yeah. It's, it's got to be catered towards them. But, I mean, Joe Rogan's out here doing it. He gets high as shit on his podcast or, and people get drunk <laughs> and they just make fools of themselves and people love it. That's because they're celebrities. They're, it's, it's Joe Rogan. Like He's been in, in you know the entertainment industry for two decades now, maybe yeah. three. Yeah. And he used to make people eat bugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he, he's got the credibility to be able to pull it off where people will still listen to him. Yeah, totally. But, um, yeah, that's teach us something cool, though, dude. It's uh, It's been fun creating it. Looking forward to continue building it. If you were going to explain crypto to your grandma or blockchain to someone who has no idea what the fuck it is, how would you describe it? All right. Like, I'm, I'm doing the same thing with my dad right now, by the way. And, okay. Uh, he, my dad is he's 69 years old. So... One lit age, two <laughs> yeah. uh, has no fucking idea what blockchain or crypto is or where it even starts. So I've had to have that same challenge. Um, I told him with blockchain, that's the that's the most important concept to understand first before you invest in anything. So when you understand that, you'll be able to find you know the the good projects that might be worth investing in um, that are unique that are disrupting the world in a way that's going to make a bunch of money. Um, and so blockchain, when you really break it down, it's just a ledger, right? It's just a ledger that can't be changed or, or, you know, nothing can be edited once it's been entered into ledger. So this transaction happened on this date and time. This money was sent from this wallet to this wallet and this amount. And that's in the ledger. And then another block gets added to the chain with another transaction that has to get validated and verified by the people who, uh, that's what mining is. Is they're they're validating and they're verifying these computers that are just saying, "Yep, this is a legitimate transaction. It is valid. Uh, we can put it on the ledger, and then another block can get built." And that's what is is called proof of work. Is mining. You're just validating um, all the currency for that. Uh, proof of stake is a whole different ball game where it's like you have to be in a part of a big pool where your you know, validation comes from you owning a big stake of that cryptocurrency to begin with, and then you get rewarded for positively, or like for accurately validating a new block. Um, or if you were to validate a false block, like someone sent one Ethereum to someone, but you said that they sent a million Ethereum to someone's wallet, then coins get, or Ethereum would get pulled from your pool. Um, that's proof of stake. So that's what things are gravitating towards now. But people who mine cryptocurrency, it's proof of work. It's them saying that this block is part of the ledger. It is legitimate. It's all valid. This much was sent to this wallet or whatever was sent to wherever. Um, and then they get rewarded in the form of a miner's tip or a gas fee. That's getting a little bit too high level there. Really all it is is a ledger that cannot get uh, – the data cannot get fucked yeah. up later. It can't yeah. get changed. So the people who are – Miners, people are mining Bitcoin. It's it's a job for them. They profit off of it. 
Uh, I mean, some of them, sure. I mean, some, there's big mining operations out there because it uses so much energy. So that's why it's like it's not profitable or it hasn't been profitable unless you can get a big pool of money together for how much computer power and energy you're going to need to run um, 24 hours a day. There are operations out there that you can like invest in. I haven't invested in any of them. Just it's like investing in like a weed farm. Are. You're investing yeah. in a, oh, you're investing in a crypto miner. Okay. I'm like, I'd rather just own the cryptocurrency and like, you know, let them do their thing. And you know, if they if they survive long enough, it's going to be great. But it's their, their operations are largely fueled by the price of crypto today. And we know crypto market is on a big bull run right now. And I don't think it's going to end in the foreseeable future, but it will end eventually. And then yeah. what happens to their operations, right? When the crypto market goes and takes the shit for two years, like it just did, you know, it's, it's tough to sit through there and your investors aren't going to sit on their hands forever and, you know, wait for the market to come back. So um, it'll be interesting to see how those operations pay off. But in the beginning, it was just people like me and you that would set up their computers and they'd just run it 24 hours and just compile a shit ton of Bitcoin. And, um, you know, I don't think any of them ever saw it climbing to the heights that it has climbed to today. But it's uh, exciting to watch, especially the guys like me and Connor. We've been in there since 2016, 2017. Uh, we've been through a bull market. We've been through a bear market. Added more during the bear market. You know, when no one else wants to buy, I, I added multiple Ethereum last year in March for two hundred bucks a pop. On Sunday, it went over four thousand. Yeah, like three, yeah, for, three or four thousand. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it hit so, forty two hundred on Sunday. So, any insights as to when you think crypto will be a former median of exchange? Because you know, Elon always talks about should you be able to buy a Tesla with Ethereum or first off, what the fuck, Doge. Whatever is, whatever is going on with Doge, like, should you be able to purchase things with Bitcoin? Is that something that's in our lifetime? Is it something that's very soon? I Yeah, I, I think it's uh, a lot sooner than people realize. However, I don't know if it's going to be really in the form of, like, me going to, like, a pizza restaurant and paying for my tab in the form of, like, 0. .0006 Bitcoin. Or yeah. Whatever, you know, calculate. And the, the tricky part there, too, is Bitcoin's, uh, value, value is always changing so that's like a big question of how do you make that work um, yeah well it's i mean was, could you argue that it's basically just got its own rate of inflation or or no because it's it fluctuates so differently it just it's so volatile like it'll be sixty two thousand dollars in the morning and it'll be fifty six thousand dollars in the afternoon some days yeah so um, you're point whatever bitcoin buying a pizza might not be the same as what it would be the next day so the like, the, the rates exactly. change okay like they're offered to buy um he he has some bitcoin so he offered he wanted to buy a motorcycle um we might have to edit this part out too i have to get approval from Kyle. <laughs> okay um or you can you can edit his name out maybe um but he wanted to buy a motorcycle like a few months ago back in january and it was $8,000. And so he wanted to use his Bitcoin to buy the motorcycle. Is this like and a guy on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist? I think he's like an actual motorcycle dealer. Oh, okay. And uh, he offered it to him and he's like, I'll give you, like, I'll send you Bitcoin. It's going to be worth way more in the future than it is today, <laughs> even, but I'll send you $8,000 today. And uh, the guy said, No. The guy's like, like, Get lost. He's like, Are you sure? It might be a big mistake. And we did the math today, actually, and so that $8,000 that he would have made the sale for would be worth like $11,500 today. So we're like, damn, I'm like, dude, you should email that guy. Like, I wish you could Bitcoin. Um, that is it's, funny. It's something I wouldn't want to use 
to buy pizza with. I want I don't yeah. want to get rid of my Bitcoin because it just continues to grow in value. I think I, every time I make it a, a prediction like this, I always think it sounds super aggressive and super far out there. And every time I come to find out that it's very conservative, <laughs> like four years ago, I said that Bitcoin would hit. I told my dad, I'm like, Bitcoin's going to be worth $10,000 a coin within the next five years. And now, four years later, it's hit $65,000 a coin. Yeah. Right? So at the time, it sounds super crazy. Uh, last year in March, when I bought Ethereum for 200 bucks, I told my buddy, Chris Chappas, I said, Ethereum will hit $1,000 again within the next five years, which didn't seem possible at the time because crypto wasn't doing anything. Uh, it hit $1,000 within nine months. And it's hit $4,000 within one year. So it's like, they seem super, super crazy to, you know, to think about at the time, but it always ends up being conservative. My prediction for Bitcoin is in the next 10 years, it'll be worth a million dollars a coin. Um, very confident in that one, actually. Uh, and then within the next five years, I believe that Ethereum will be worth over $10,000 a coin. I made that claim back in January when it was at 900 yeah, I, I did very little research on it, and all I remember was uh, there was predictions for Bitcoin. I think in 10 years it was at 550, or about about half a million in 10 years, and then some others were saying they would be around like 250, whatever it is. And then what you said with Ethereum was pretty much close to those numbers too. And it, if it's already grown from what it was when you last told your dad what it would be, it's hard to believe that there's any doubt in these new predictions that, well, first off, I mean... Interesting topic for crypto in general is what happens when all of it is mined. Is what is it twenty four or twenty one million or something that's mined, or is it at twenty one? It is twenty four. So the the cap is twenty one million change. Yeah. Um, currently, this is like as of like three or four eighteen. Months ago, it was like eighteen and change had been mined already, and of that eighteen and change, uh, four <clears> million, <throat> a little over four million of those have been lost forever. So the supply is even smaller than we thought it was. Oh wow! Um, which makes it even more valuable. Uh, that that last, like the remaining like two and a half million that need to be mined still though. It'll take a it, while. Like it, it's, it goes like X amount of blocks is what gives you a reward after a while, um, and Bitcoin halves after X amount of blocks. So if it would have taken a hundred blocks that need to be mined before you get a reward, uh, now it takes two hundred and then four hundred and then eight hundred. So it gets longer and longer. So the last bit of Bitcoin isn't supposed to be mined until like 2100 and something. We're never going to see it ourselves. That's crazy. So what happens when it's finally all mined is like there's no more supply to go around. So you need to buy from the existing supply if you want Bitcoin, which is what makes it so valuable, right? And that could be troublesome in the future is like what happens when... It's just at a steady rate because it is it's or it won't even it might not be or it might be at a steady rate. Whatever it is, what happens when it's not looked at as a form of investing anymore because there's no more. There's like that time will come, right? Like if it's if it's all mine, it's not investing anymore. It's just that's how much of that this, currency this like is out there. Out there, yeah, right? totally. <clears throat> um, Supply and demand. So how how is taxes involved, or is the government involved, or how is it taxable? Or do you know the the uh, components of that side of crypto? Government actually crazy shit. So they said it's all cool. We don't have to pay taxes on it. <laughs> they um, said that? They said it's all cool? <laughs> I wish. Like, it's, it's all like, cool? I, I, I'm pretty sure it's... Uh, I'm pretty sure 
it's going to be taxed the same way if it's not already um, the, the stock market yeah. uh, you get taxed on. So with capital gains, um, there's short-term capital gains and then there's long-term, right? And short-term is basically if you hold something and you sell it within 12 months of buying it, you buy a stock today, you sell it within 12 months, you pay short-term capital gains on it, which is your uh, income tax bracket. Whatever that is, that's what you have to pay on your capital gains. Side, it's the same term. percentage? Long-term is uh, anything that you hold over 12 months before you sell. You pay, I think the highest tax bracket on that currently is 20%, which is why it's like people are losing their shit over the idea. Uh, well, one, really quick, the, the reason that long-term capital gains taxes like half of what the top tax bracket is for income is incentive, right? It incentivizes people to invest their money and then leave it. You invest in a company, so you help the company grow and it helps the economy grow, and you leave it there because if you don't leave it there for 12 months, you pay your income tax on that. Mm. Um, the idea, the reason people are freaking out, and I know we don't want to talk politics, but they're freaking out about right. Biden talking about raising it to 40%, doubling that long term tax break, uh, capital gains tax is now there's no incentive to hold things long-term. And that can create two different scenarios. One scenario is people just stop investing entirely because there's no you know, there's no reason to. You're, you're yeah. having people's returns that they would get already. Um, they're diminishing it. Why would you? Yeah. Right? Then the other scenario is that it turns into a whole market of people who just <laughs> trade like they do at hedge funds which is going to create a lot of volatility in the market. So it's yeah. going to go up, down, up, down. It's going to be swinging every single day. People are going to lose their ass if they're investing. In that so market. is that like everyone's just going to try to be a day trader? Is that what you're saying? Like everyone's just going to try to do those short-term gains? That's what's, that's one scenario that I can yeah. see it playing out to because okay. there's no incentive to hold long-term. And then the other scenario is people just stop investing entirely and just start spending. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, it's, it's endless because – I mean, you never fucking know what, what is going to happen, but the stock market is just so unpredictable already. When then you let the government get involved in it, it's like, fuck, now now I'm really fucked. Now I'm really screwed. I don't know what's happen, What's going to happen now. Exactly, dude. And that's what, you know, you get the argument. Again, I know you're not going to take sides here, but you get the argument all the time, and I fucking hate the argument that, like, <laughs> like the meme of, like, if you're looking at, if, if you're looking at your ceiling, it looks like this, and it's got, like, like little dots all over it, like, oh, yeah. you don't need to be worried about Biden's top tax rate. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, it's not the idea of, like, hey, am I going to fit into that today? No, but as an entrepreneur, like, that's where I want to be, yeah. in the top tax bracket, right? I want to be making, the, I want to be in the top 1%. And the top <laughs> I love 1%, the dots I don't want to be losing half my fucking money on the way there. Because it just gets harder to climb to that bracket to begin with. So yeah, that's the big issue that people have with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna agree, but I mean, I can't say that <laughs> you don't have to. That, 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 to. We can switch topics. Yeah, no, I'm just gonna say that that is kind of a funny explanation of the ceiling thing. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I, I laugh at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like this is not it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone wants to get to that point. That's it. I mean, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say this is political, but when people judge or like uh, get like almost offended that like Trump, Bezos, you know, the, the richest people in the world pay such little taxes. It's like, come on. If you knew what if you knew how to do that, you would do it too. If you had the means of doing it, anyone would avoid taxes if they could legally. Yeah, it, it, exactly, dude. They they hire the best people in the world to structure their businesses and it's not like they don't they don't pay 
uh, no income tax. Like they, 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 when they complain about Bezos and them, they complain about them paying no corporation tax. And the yeah. reason they pay no corporation taxes is because one, their business is set up in a way to where it's going to like they write off a bunch of shit. Uh, but then they also get like tax credits from the government as a an incentive to keep their operations here. Yeah. Because if they don't give them that incentive and they tax them, well, the they take their rights. operations overseas, and then people complain that there's no jobs and there's no money in our economy. So it's like you're you're just the people who complain about it don't understand how it works. They don't run their own businesses. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> uh, I guess another topic I wanted to try to dive into is college what your experience was in college at least with the educational side of it what you know either what you got out of it how how has it affected what you do in your job today and would you do what you did again your route so yeah i mean i started i think you started in similar path too right jay where you started at harper yeah so i went to harper and that was, you know, life changing to begin with. I would, you know, encourage any eighteen-year-old that wants to go away to college, spend two years or a year at your community college and grow up as a person. Totally. Like my friend, a lot of my friends that went away, like you know, your freshman year, you get a lot of freedom, and you don't, you don't take know a lot what to of do responsibility. With it. Mm-hmm. And they, they, you know, they take their freedom and their time that they never had, and they use it the wrong way. Um, not, I'm not saying a lot of my friends did that. I'm saying that those people yeah. in college who like that's why you see the people drop out. They they yeah. you know, waste their parents' money if they're getting sent there by their parents and they flunk out. Uh, I was fortunate. I think I would have done that if I would have went out of high school. I graduated high school with a 2.1 GPA. Uh, did not take school seriously at all. Yeah, um, I remember. <laughs> I only got into Arizona State out of co- out of high school, and my parents, my dad specifically said, "There's no way in hell he was sending me to Arizona State." Um, cause he knew my, like, I, I would have flunked out like that. That is as simple as that. Like, I know I would have, uh, my first semester at Harper, I got a 2.0 GPA and I realized that like, I needed to turn something around if I was going to go anywhere, if I was yeah. going to do anything with my life. And, uh, <clears throat> so I was already working full time. I worked full time as a server, um, at TGI Fridays, surfing endless apps every single week. Uh, and I was working there like 40 hours a week, but yeah, um, <laughs> made some money. I uh, got turned shit around in the second semester. I got like a three five GPA. Fuck yeah. Next semester, I picked up an unpaid. In- well, I was partially paid. I got paid for a quarter of the time I worked there because I wanted to get into law. Um, I interned a law firm. I didn't know anything. I had no qualifications, no reason to be there. But I was willing to. I was just pay me whatever. Like I don't care if you would pay me at all. Yeah, just like, teach I'm me something. Trying to learn and. Uh, so I started there and, you know, I started with very medial tasks, but they ended up by the end of it, like I was acting just the same as like, uh, their actual legal assistants were, um, mm, nice. who were qualified to be there, which was awesome. Um, ended in their good graces. They gave me a letter of recommendation, but during that time I was working there 16 hours a week. I was working at Fridays for 40 hours a week. I was going to school as a full-time student and I was going from, if you can keep yourself busy with the right things. Yeah. Your life what a grind. Around. You know, you go three five, and I want three six six, and then I want a four zero to finish my uh, last semester at college or community college. So that upwards <clears> trying <throat> helped me. I got a you know letters recommendation from two people in my field between uh, Mr. McNerney and say, Pat. the attorney I worked for. Um, and uh, yeah, I ended up getting in. Well, I was going to go to U of I, but I ended up getting into University of Texas at Austin. Uh, super late, 
June 22nd, I woke up to an email that I had gotten in and I had my apartment picked out at U of I. So I had to call U of I and tell them I wasn't coming. They wished me well. So no luck. way. Uh, yeah. Um, so I flew in two weeks later into Austin and uh, had my kind of like orientation. Where I Started your life, yeah. Whatnot, scrambled, got my apartment there. And, you know, within a month, I was already down in Austin living there and uh, ready to start my college career there or I guess transfer career there and yeah, uh, yeah I went there for three years because it's a, it's a vigorous university to begin with but I think like 18 of my credits didn't transfer over from Harper which yeah, is not dude. common I had the like same problem were, it's annoying but it's like it's, it happens to everyone that transfers it, it sucks so it's yeah. like, I, I wasn't complaining though I got to have like one more year of fun <laughs> yeah. but you certainly feel really fucking old at the end yeah um but Austin was an awesome place, dude. I mean, I majored in history, I minored in philosophy because I was trying to be a lawyer. Uh, and then, you know, when I first transferred down there, that's when I started working on Trend Center with Alex and Vomzi uh, uh, and the gang. Yeah. You know, we worked on that for three years. Um, and then during that time span, I kind of realized I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. I wanted to be an entrepreneur and start businesses. Uh, it was really fun and exciting, and it felt like you were growing all the time. Yeah, marketing um, is so much fun, I, and that's like the huge part of why. Like, I'm actually happy with what I'm doing to school for. Not, I'm not mm -hmm. saying like I'm like shaming you for it, but like I'm glad I went with marketing just because I know that like I can hopefully use it if I go into any world of business. But um, right. it's an exciting field too. I liked how I went. I mean, what, what, what's up next for you? Uh, well, I was just gonna mention I I've always shamed Harper. Um, and I know it was good for me, and I know I made the right decision. I just don't love the school I transferred to. Um, I can tell from way I've seen you in the past and way you talk about UT Austin that you definitely you were happy with your choice, right? I, I love where I went to school. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's a huge part of why I shame Harper when really I should just be shaming where I'm at right now. It's not like I'm not happy here. It's just I think I could have done. Uh, a little better, tried to, you know, seek something further. Like, I wish I'd looked at UT Austin. I wish I'd looked at schools not in the Midwest. I never did um, for some reason. And then, but next, actually, so one of my roommates actually just got a job in Austin, signed a lease with his brother in Austin. Like, they're moving there uh, in the middle of June. And I was like, I mean, I've heard great things about it. It's a growing city. I want to live somewhere warm. Like I'm going to go and visit. I'm going to check out Austin actually. And so if you're going to need to give yeah. me some, some of the deeds on the town or what you think of it, but, um, I got I, you dude. hit me up. My main um, concern is just like having a job that I enjoy and hopefully not living in the Midwest. Um, at least not Wisconsin. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I'd be okay with going back to Chicago at one point or another, but then, uh, I want to get at least out of the Midwest, I think. And then hopefully just find a job that, is exciting and I want one of my main goals is to just have a, one of my own businesses like I, I was in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan this past weekend visiting my friend Cameron and he exposed me to the world of kayak tour guides so in the summers he's a tour guide on Lake Superior doing kayak tours and holy shit it is a gold mine the business is nuts like really yeah dude it's it's crazy well first off Lake Superior is beautiful so that might be why it's so pricey there Versus if you do it somewhere else, but like if you find somewhere like Oregon or somewhere in Cali, like Northern California, somewhere with a pretty coastline, mm -hmm. these places bring in about like twenty-five to fifty thousand a day just from at least Damn. on on nice days, at least just from kayak tour guides. It's like a hundred to one hundred fifty, sometimes two hundred, two hundred fifty for a whole like six-hour tour, 
And I was like, holy fuck, first off, what a sick thing. Like, kayak tour guys on the coastline of an ocean or a nice lake sounds like a blast. I want to do that just for fun. But, like, oh, if you can start a business doing kayak tour guys, that's dope. And I'm like, all right, maybe I'll open a kayak business. The overhead is pretty minimal, too. You're going to buy what? Kayaks? You buy kayaks. You buy kayaks, some gear, and then uh, you pay pay guides and probably have have a HQ, and that's it. I mean, your payback rate's got to be pretty quick. Totally. Um, so that I, I, yeah, I, I don't hate that at all either. And it allows you to kind of get out there and you know, be part of nature and it's something you enjoy, dude, just do what you enjoy. You know, if you, if you're doing what you enjoy and you become the best in the world at what you're trying to do, the money finds you totally you know, opportunity will find you. And, uh, that'll be my advice to you or anyone who just, you know, I'm still on my, you know, I'm still striving for success right now, but you know, yeah. the difference between me, like, you know, Mike Lowe today and Mike Lowe five years ago is, you know, I wasn't afraid of failure then, but like failure doesn't hurt anymore. Failure almost yeah. tastes good because you're that much closer. You know, I that much closer to making it. I interviewed John Replinger yesterday, and I actually wrote it down on my whiteboard next to me. And it was a quote that he gave me that I, you might have heard before. It's just a win or learn. There is no losing. If you lose, don't don't think don't think of it as a loss. Think of it as a, a learning lesson. And I took that real serious. I was like, all right, yeah, if I just think I'm never losing again, and every time that I think I did lose, I'm just really learning something about my life or that moment or that experience, it's going to change my mentality forever. Two lessons, baby. Yeah, totally. You uh, know, uh, you like Les Brown at all or not? I'm not familiar. Who is that? He's, a, he's like one of the best motivational speakers in the world over the past half century. I may know his face or voice, but I don't know the name. Oh my god, this guy always preaches about how you gotta be hungry. Like he's just Oh, oh he's like, awesome, like he's like electric when he's talking, right? Oh my god, dude. He's he transfers that emotion. That's like the best motivational speakers. They can yeah. transfer that emotion from you know yeah. their body to yours. I've got and a Spotify playlist with he with those things I think he's on it. Wrote down today, uh, said he said you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great matter what you do yeah right? the challenge is getting going and that's where so many people drop the ball yeah i like that and you know i think that's something that like that's a huge difference in people that go to college for four years then go get their masters and then you know get a corporate level job or whatever it is like you're not gonna it's hard to engage in that type of mentality like college doesn't teach you how to um be a killer really it's all structured it doesn't tell you how to go on your own at least not in my experience or most people's i think Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I don't know, the main thing at college is it's they're selling it to you. They're selling this is an all expenses paid resort with unlimited booze, and maybe you'll learn something down the road. And people are thinking of that, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's a fun time. And they're not thinking of what's actually going to happen after college. And not like I regret college, but um, I think you have to set aside everything that's in the education side of it, and you got to actually go on your own and have your own ventures, have your own experiences and don't let college determine who you are. That's, um, that's what it is too, dude. It's, uh, it's, it's like a path of life is what college enables. It's like, you're going to do this. You're going to go graduate high school. Or you're going to move on to new college. You're going to go to college. You're going to graduate from there. If you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, you're going to go three or four more years of school and yada, 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 yada. And then you're going to do this for the rest of your life. And you've decided what you're going to do when you're 18 years old and doesn't matter if you like it or not. You're kind of, you know, forced into doing what you want. I don't use my college degree for shit, dude. Yeah. History and philosophy I like for marketing because, I mean, I became a really good writer because that's all those majors are. Like, yeah. Every single two days I had like a new five or ten page paper doing that. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so you can get really good at writing. Um, you can get really good at like philosophy. I can get really good at uh, articulating. I was going to say, yeah, articulating. Um, and, and making sound arguments too. Like point, being able to point out the fallacy in you know, the average person's argument because they're not trained. They, a, lot, a lot of people appeal to people's emotions, um, which is not how you make arguments. But uh, using that, and, you know, I wanted to become a, well, one, I do marketing to begin with. Like I've you know, spent five years doing that for the most part, just different forms of it. Mm-hmm. Um, some are more fun than others. Recently, I wanted to become better at content creation. That was right when, you know, SEO is great, but it's pretty much useless without being able to, you know, make high quality, uh, valuable content, uh, either in the form of blogs, in the form of video I wanted to get really good at. So I started just putting videos out there. That's the point of what you just start. Start and you'll get better. The same way you start yeah. podcasting, you get better and better and better and better until eventually you're great at it. Yeah, as long so as you're critical was, about it. Yeah, that's the idea between you know Clubhouse, YouTube. Like I, I used to stream every day. I wanted to become a better investor, right? And now I don't have enough time on my hands, unfortunately. But um, I want to become a better investor. So how you do that is you got to learn from the best investors in the world. So Alex likes them a lot too. Warren Buffett, Charles Munger. Yeah. Those are two guys. Third guy that I learned from Peter Lynch. Um, he was a history major and a philosophy minor. Oh, really? He accredits, um, he attributes his success in investing to be able to see the business world and see investing, uh, from an untrained eye, essentially, like in a different perspective. When you go to business school or you go like, to school for finance, they teach you this is how you look at things, this is what this means, this is what you need to look for. And these guys spend you know, their lives looking at businesses one way, like it's just all charts, and look, like it's all just numbers to them. There's a million different ratios and whatnot. And to him, it's just simple. He's like, this is a good company, I understand it. Like, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, they pull up one thing or one you know, uh, financial statement and they're like, oh, yeah, that works. They bring in more money than they send out. Uh, their <laughs> assets continue to grow. Their liabilities are really low. They have no debt, so it's going to be tough for them to fail, and they're in a growing industry. Uh, I like this company. Yeah, so I'll invest. It that way, dude. You learn to start, you know, digest it, and so it's just practice. That's why I started streaming was like talking to people. and Love talking um, to people. Love talking to people. Yeah, and new I people too. To really Yes, exactly. I've got friends in the fucking UK who I talk to still. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was just breaking down stock like balance sheets every single day or looking at investor presentations and breaking down new companies that were going to IPO on the market for people. And you get really good at it because you're practicing for three hours a day. <laughs> and uh, you do that long enough. And now I've trained myself to be an above average investor where I can you know, I'm not great by any means. I'm not an expert, but I can talk to my friends who work on Wall Street. I can talk to my friends in investment banking who work at William Blair, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, Citadel. I can talk to them on a high level where they respect me and they come to me for opinions sometimes too, which is yeah, awesome. That is the fun. best compliment you can get. Um, and, you know, that's because I just wanted to learn it. So I just did it. That wasn't good in the beginning. People come to your opinions. That actually just hit me because I. I frequently have friends or um, just people that I know that will come to me for advice on either fitness or health, just because mm-hmm. I kind of, as you know, mine and my brother's parents are fitness freaks, especially my mom. Like that's all I know. All I know is how to eat healthy and train healthy and everything. So people come to me for that mm-hmm. advice, and I'm so flattered when like people just like sign in my DMs and like, hey, like 
do you like do you have advice for this or like what what happens to this and i'll just give them a full paragraph response of like exactly what i think they should be doing and it's not like oh I'm, yeah it's not like i'm qualified or like they like have to listen to me but it's like i love giving that advice because it is something i care about but even on, just like on the topic opinion. yeah totally on the topic of what you're talking about with warren buffett buffett have you seen what he says about like robin hood or crypto no what do you say well he thinks robin hood is genius because it takes advantage of the gamblers of america um or not just america it's everywhere but like it's that gambling mentality i know you're a gambler or at least you were right um (laughs) i i I was i don't gamble anymore okay i I can resonate with it yeah the people that feel the same thrill of throwing a hundred dollars on the bears they're going to feel the same thrill of throwing a hundred dollars in Tesla or whatever it is. Like it's so easy to just log into Robinhood, sign over your hundred dollars from your bank account and just hope it makes money. And it was never that easy before. That's the thing with just Robinhood or Ameritrade or whatever it is, investing apps and those uh, brokerages. It's too easy nowadays. So everyone's doing it. So it's got that gambling mentality almost. And that's, that's what Warren Buffett describes it as. And I completely agree. Um, they completely gamified the stock market. Yes. It, it, it has gotten more people involved in the stock market than have ever been before. It made the, it gave the retail investor a real opportunity where you can start with a hundred bucks and you can invest in something. And I think the, what people should feel and the, the most addicting part of it all is when you make your, your first little bit of money and you start to see I'm like in my bank account, my money goes down, doesn't grow mm-hmm. in, in the stock market. You know, my money, it goes up, it goes higher in the crypto market. My money goes up, my, it, it starts to compound um, where, yeah, I mean, you just need to make money and then you start to feel, then you need to learn what it feels like to lose money in the stock market. And I've done that and I've done trading. I've traded options where you look at charts all day. Yeah. That fucking blows dick, dude. Like, yeah. It sucks. It's a grind. And I don't want to get into work it. gets wiped like that with two weeks of a, of a red market. I, yeah, you know, built up nothing crazy, but like, like fifteen hundred to like six thousand dollars when I was trading, uh, in six weeks of hard work, really good trades, and then the market goes red for two weeks. Nothing's working. No trade you're you're making is hitting, and you know I went from six thousand back to like thirteen hundred, which is lower than where I started in the first place. I'm like, yeah, this shit blows. So I learned what it tastes like to lose money in the market, and then I wanted to learn how can I invest and can I invest, you know smartly so i went and learned from the best people in the world who have ever invested warren buffett charles munger peter yeah, lynch get smarter at it totally i mean that's, oh, that's the argument for doing good at anything is just look at the people who are the best you know find the michael jordan of your industry like so many people want to just be like they want to look at the gurus though uh, you know on youtube who you know i yeah could consider myself a guru, right? But I'm I'm not qualified to give anyone investment advice. Yeah, if anyone takes investment advice from you, like they might hit one week, but then another week they totally could just bomb. I hate the, the pressure of it, dude. When people <laughs> yeah. when people make money because of you, it feels great, but then it's burden because they come back to you for what's the next winning play? So it's have like you give someone a winner? Have you ever talked about this? I'm just curious. With uh, Taylor Codius, has he ever had people like come to him and be like, "Dude, what the fuck? I lost like thousands of dollars because of what you told me to invest in." Has that happened? Yes, and I've had it happen to me too. Oh, really, like, dude? I don't tell you to invest in anything. Like, I tell you why. Like, first off, any company I preach to you, like, invested heavily in that company. Yeah, you lost too. I'm, I'm losing too. I'm not happy either. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, sorry, buddy. Um, but 
yeah, that's the burden that comes with giving your winners. Is like when you win, they come back and they bring a friend. And they say, you gave me a winner. Like I used to do it with the UFC. There was this guy, Johnny Walker, great fighter. Um, he was awesome. Like my, I was down in Austin the first time I ever saw him. And me and my roommates used to watch him gamble on UFC on Saturday nights. And it's electric, dude. Like nothing feels better than betting on someone and watching them, you know, knock someone's lights out. Yeah. It's just electric. Yeah. But uh, this dude, Johnny Walker, like we watched his highlights leading up to the fight and everyone in the room, there was like 14 dudes shot up and like, wait, what's this guy's name? What's the line <laughs> on him right now? Like just shot up, threw a hundred on him. Everyone doubled up right away. Yes. He, he literally knocked the dude out in 19 seconds. And uh, I went to Iowa, same deal. I'm like, I watched this dude knock someone out in 19 seconds last time. I'm throwing 200 on him. It's going to be awesome. He ends up knocking that guy out in under a minute also. And nice. so everyone around me is like electric, like they're throwing beer everywhere. With this guy knows what's up, yeah. Mind. And they're coming to me like, hey, you got any UFC locks this week? I'm like, Johnny <laughs> Walker's not fighting me. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Johnny Walker ends up fighting like six months later. Everyone comes to me, dude, Johnny Walker's fighting this weekend. And they brought their friends too. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm throwing 250 on him this weekend. More and more they each time. They all heavy bets on him. Someone, some of them were trying to cancel out their losses from the week. So some of them are now like 300 bucks, and they threw 300 on him to like break even. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> First minute goes by, dude, and he does not look like the Johnny Walker I remember. <laughs> and he's kind of like wobbling. Like he gets like this dude gets a good clock on him, and he's wobbling. Like I'm like they're like, dude, is he in trouble? I'm like, oh, nah, Johnny's. Fine. It's Johnny Walker. <laughs> Within 30 more seconds, the dude is knocked out cold. No. Like, they're like, dude, what the fuck? Like, you're giving me the shirt thing. I'm like, I just lost $250 fucking dollars. Like, don't do me. I'm fucking pissed too. So that's what happens in, in the stock market too, is you give people your winners and they come back for another winner. And uh, eventually you have to lose. And I'm like, don't look at me when you lose because you took my, you know, my insight. Or my yeah. Opinion. I can't win every time. I wish I could, but. Even yeah, guys don't do that. Yeah, I guess that's 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 not just socks. That's life in general. You're never gonna always win. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't, dude, so don't be surprised when there's these downs in life. So just get over it and keep fucking going. Shut up. Shut. Up. Stop Bingo. complaining. <laughs> exactly, bro. That's uh, that's the stock market though. There's a lot of gamblers in there who have that same mentality, and a lot of them just learned their first lesson when they were investing in penny stocks, which are the shittiest stocks in the market. They're the riskiest investments you can make. Yeah. But they're seeing people become millionaires, and I was watching people become millionaires that I know off of penny stocks that are dog shit companies. And then the market starts to reverse, and people start to pull their money out, and investments start going flat. Why isn't that growing? Well, let me go check out crypto. Money's growing over here, and then all of a sudden it starts going really bad. And penny stocks that had climbed really fast, Tesla, same deal, overvalued, climbed really fast. They fall even faster, dude. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the people who were making money, they were putting money in late in penny stocks, too, when they were on that climb, thinking, like, they didn't want to miss out anymore. They have lost their ass. Like, millionaires, just as quick as they became millionaires, no longer millionaires. Um, it, it, it was really kind of gross to watch happen, because I warned people of that. Even with my, you know, amateur investing, these are really bad companies you're investing in. The balance sheets look fucking awful. The financial statements look awful. I don't know what's fueling this other than like a bunch of people thinking they get rich off of penny stocks right now. I'm looking at Reddit forums for the next yeah. big penny stock, the next GameStop. Like, 
that was fucking stupid. Chasing the next short squeeze, you know how many people tried that? Like this yeah. happens like once every like ten years, maybe, maybe and not yeah. at this level ever. And, yeah, uh, the GameStop, the Dogecoin, like it's it don't that should not be that should not be what your idea of investing is. That's like a fun gimmick and it's a meme. That's where the gamblers gravitate towards. Yeah, it's, totally. Uh, it's the fun gimmick where it feels like gambling and it's exciting. And then they, you know, just as quick as they enter the market, they're leaving the market now too because it's no longer any fun. And I'm like, yeah, yeah this is the stock market I'm craving right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Things that make sense. Yes. Uh, even if the, even if it's a red day and. At least it makes sense. I don't sense. give a shit <laughs> if it's a red day. That's yeah. what I tell people. Yeah. It's long-term investing. You're buying a good company because if it's around five years from now or ten years from now, it's going to be – they're going to have higher revenue, higher earnings, especially as the dollar gets inflated. So your shares are going to be worth more money. You hold one – you find a great company. You find two or three great companies every ten years. You're going to be set for life. Just hold on to them. So, are you are you set on specifically individual business like stocks, or do you do you uh, invest in ETFs at all? Or mutual ETFs funds? are nice if you don't like if you don't understand this stuff like at the level that investors do. Yeah, uh, I would recommend ETFs to people. They're safer. They're going to grow. There's good things that are put in there. If you like Kathy Woods, invest in any, pretty much any of her ARC ETFs, you're going to make money. It's going to grow over time. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. Um, the Vanguard ones, I have, I have some in the Vanguard, and the Vanguard ones have done nothing but good for me. <laughs> Vanguards are going to grow for you. Yeah. Every every ten years, your money's going to be worth way more than it was today. Totally. Um, you know, spy. You know, S and P five hundred. That's like the benchmark ETF of like, yeah. can it grow higher than higher at a quicker rate than or a better rate than S and P five hundred did? That's what financial advisors compare against, like Jim Hack, right? Um, oh yeah. So ETS, I'd recommend to people like when they're just starting off, it's a safer investment. You don't need to know stuff at the level that I know it, and I don't know it at the stuff that you know really good investors know it at either. But I can identify a good business from like a really shitty business because I've looked at enough of them from streaming and looking at ten plus companies a day <clears throat> at a very detailed level. Um, yeah, I've tried to just at least for the Vanguard one just. I don't even look at it. It's like it's. Don't even do it. Just why the fuck it. would I look at it? Like it's. I know that if I come back in ten years, it's gonna be a lot more than what it is now, and I don't need to worry about that ever changing. So if I'm if I'm checking that, it's a waste of time. But checking like Robinhood for whatever specific specific businesses that I'm interested in is more worth my time. Just set it and forget it, dude. And, yeah, totally. Uh, that's what people need to get in the habit of. When you look at it on a micro level, when you look at the candles every day. They tweak themselves out. They convince themselves that you know people are out to get them when trades aren't going good. They convince themselves that the whole market's about to collapse on itself because of one minor catalyst is happening. Like the Fed's coming out with an announcement today, the market's going to tank. It doesn't fucking work like that. But that's what happens when you look at it on a second by second basis. People tell me like my big company I've been on since September of last year is Open Door. People know that. Like, I can tell you more about Open Door than any other company out there. But I only own Open Door. Renew Power and Luminar Technologies, and I can I follow it like I own the businesses. Like I listen to every single investor call. I read every single report. I get email notifications. If it's fucking Kathy and HR's birthday, I know it's Kathy and HR's birthday. I <laughs> yeah. own the company. Yeah, right? I'm not gambling. I'm becoming. I'm buying equity. I'm buying ownership of these companies. I joke in my clubhouse profile. I'm the co-owner of three publicly traded companies, and you know that's how I look at it, though. Oh, okay. I own them, so I need to know them as well as an owner would, as well as Alex or I would know Trendsetter. 
Yeah, right. I think a big part of anything, at least for exactly what you're talking about, is just familiarizing yourself with every little detail, every aspect, so that like it's it's second, it comes second nature to you, where it's like you can just continuously talk and think about it without having to do that research or existential research, at least. Exactly. That's uh, that's why I'm on it. So it doesn't matter to me if Open Door is worth fifteen dollars today or thirty dollars today. I'm like, well. Good. That's where, that's my reminder that the stock market's open today. Yeah, uh, it, that's all the stock market. It doesn't matter for me if the stock market closed for the next three years. All it does is serve as a reminder of what my shares are worth today. But my when I invest, it's it's for five to ten years out because I see it growing a lot in the next five to ten years. Yeah, I think that you know if it's worth fifteen bucks today. I think Open Door is going to be worth well over a hundred dollars within the next five years. All right, ten I'm, years for sure. So I'm gonna have to look into Open Door. Oh. <laughs> I got a YouTube video for you. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, it's, yeah, it's like it's like twenty minutes long, but I just streamed their investor call today. Um, oh, nice. Got about twenty five people up in the stream. That was dope. Uh, that was my first stream in about a month and a half, though. Yeah, I know you're gonna have to share that with me for sure. Um, for teachers, something cool. How did you? What was the first thing that you decided had to happen with that? Like, how did you want to structure it? You knew it was gonna be on Clubhouse. You knew it was you and Connor doing it. What was the next step for you guys? How did you want to build that community, and or how have you built other communities in the past? So we sat down the morning after we decided we wanted to do something because I, you know, I had helped TC, and I can't take all the credit. The dude is—he's a fucking beast. He's great at what he does. Uh, Burner market trading existed before I became involved, but you know, I was preaching it for a long time. You need to build like an actual community here, something that would kind of take care of itself, um, and. You know, you need to focus not on monetizing right away. Focus on building something, though. Feel like a Discord of people who are talking all the time, who are engaging with each other, becoming friends with each other, like a real community. And, you know, in the meantime, rather than just streaming on here where it's like a closed market, go into an open market. Go and start streaming on YouTube every day or on Twitch because no one's taking advantage of it right now. Mm -hmm. So if you were to go to Twitch, for example, you know, you can get donations. You're going to get new people. You're going to expand your reach. Like with marketing, you can appreciate that, I'm sure. Totally, 100%. Um, expand your reach, get new people that you can bring into your community. So he started with YouTube, and when I started working with him and helping him with his YouTube SEO, he had 98 subscribers. And the name of the game is consistency. You know, put when you're putting content out, it needs to be consistent where people can expect it. So yeah, it doesn't matter if you're having a bad day, you put a fucking smile on for two or three hours, yeah. and hop on the stream. And it's not a, it's never a bad day, by the way. Keep that in mind, too. Write a note on that, Jay. It's never a bad day. It's a character move. Oh, okay. That mindset, it's every day's an okay day. Yeah. I always got a good attitude. Totally. But you got to have an entrepreneurship. It's fucking tough. Give an entrepreneur a hug today. Um, <laughs> and uh, you just have to stay consistent with it, though. And so he had 98 subs. We started optimizing his titles for certain keywords, started optimizing his subscriptions for certain keywords. Um, was streaming every single day, and then he knew someone who had gotten big on TikTok, so they said, just make a TikTok every day for 30 straight days. So then you find that you can recycle this content, too, so the TikTok would get posted to the Snapchats, and then Snapchat would just add everyone. The dude was getting added by hundreds of people a day. Yeah. And I'm watching him, like, tap, 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 tap <laughs> for a minute and a half, just ads. But these are free people you can market to now. And they want you to market to them. That's what the Discord is. Like that's free marketing for you, right? Where you can market your streams, your TikToks, your Snapchat, your packages that you're offering now. And so he grew from 98 subs when we started working together in the middle slash end of November to 
by the end of January, he had grown to right under 3,000 subscribers. Wow. Uh, YouTube. So he started monetizing on YouTube, getting some money from people who were watching him, started getting donations on there. Um, and then he started selling his packages. The Discord package, like, right? Was it? Was that the Discord package to be on that? The Discord package. And at first, you know, it was kind of a struggle when we were just marketing people we knew. Um, it was tough. I mean, you know, when, you know, they're not getting good results or they're, they're not making money or it's just not what they thought it was going to be. Or maybe they thought that it was only going to be a one month thing, but they're paying monthly now. They cancel, they churn. And that's the worst thing that could happen. You don't want people to churn. But when you build this big community that we did, uh, cause the discord has got over 500 people in there now is TikTok's got, I don't even know how many followers is Snapchat. I have no idea how, how many friends he's got on there at this point. Cause it just grew so fast. And the YouTube's at 3000 subscribers. All of a sudden, you know, we set it up in tiers where it was like $20 a month was the first tier, mm -hmm. 60 spots that filled up in about three or four weeks of people who I don't think. So why did you I limit think. it to 60 spots? Uh, cause we wanted, you want to, you know, kind of scale your growth. Um, and oh, okay. also you don't want to just charge everyone $20 a month when you find out like you raise your price to $30 and they're just as willing to pay $30 a month as they were to pay $20 a month. Okay. Yeah. So you so want to add was, value each time and it should be more personalized at the beginning, maybe add value. And then you want to pause in between the tiers too, to where you can, you know, find the gaps that exist. It's like beta testing almost. Like yeah. Find where the holes are, fix them, make them better, add some improvements and then open up your next tier. And totally. that $30 tier in those 60 spots filled up in like under 10 days. So and you can do, someone can sign up for a $20 one or a $30 one, or it just, the price went up. It just went up. The $20 tier was no longer an option. Okay. I can see that too. And, uh, it was $30 and that we were going to scale up to, I thought $50 would be a good option, but we've been shutting it down because Taylor's been super busy. So um, I just realized actually, we never actually explained what the discord was or what, like, could you explain maybe what the value is behind the discord that Taylor does. Right. So in the beginning it was, um, he streamed every day on there and he would like, if you had a stock or something and you had charts that you wanted to look at, or you had to look at cause he understands them better than the average person does. Um, he actually is very good at what he does. Um, you know, he'd pull them up for you live. You're talking to people. Uh, but it's, you're talking to people who are educated in, in the stock market. Uh, that was the value behind it, right? And you're having someone to look at the charts that you don't understand yourself. Um, then from there, there's like a bunch of, like there's probably 50 plus channels in there for like different companies where you have due diligence in there. So like research that's been done in the companies, what this company does, who they're partnered with, um, how their recent earnings went, uh, what news just came out about this company. And you have people who are also investing in that company that are talking in there as well. It's a real community, right? So that was the value in, in the discord is like, you're, you're, if you want to be in the stock market, this is going to help you make more educated decisions than you're going to make by yourself. That's the value in, in the discord. Yeah. In the community. And you're surrounded by it. So you're bound to, they're not going to, nothing bad's going to happen at least unless you make a bad play on a stock. But like, you're going to learn something regardless, at least. You're going you're gonna to learn. That's what the stock market is. It's just lessons. You know, if you lose $1,500 in the play here, well, you just paid $1,500 to learn a lesson. If you just <laughs> yeah. lost $1,500 and you move on to the next thing without actually reflecting and learning from what you just, the mistake you just made. That's your fault. You're, you're just gambling. Yeah. And that's all it is. Uh, but that's the value of the Discord. And that's, you know, what started my, uh, I guess, admiration and 
uh, desire to build more communities, like teach us something cool. Um, Growth Saloon, my my main you know parent company of it all. That's my marketing company, mm-hmm. but it's also like it's my company. It doubles as a community too. It's supposed to be a community where people who want to grow come together, and you know it's like this place where you come for the growth and you stay for the company. That's the that's the mantra of the company, right? Yeah. So it's got two meanings: you know, stay for the company as in my company, or stay for the company as in the people around you. Um, you know, I want to have people more than, more than just myself on there, um, where people who want to grow, whether they want to grow their business, whether they want to grow as, uh, you know, an individual, um, so they want to grow what? weed, maybe I'll have some weed growers on there too. <laughs> However they want to grow, dude, it's a growth community. That's what the growth saloon is. So what, two questions, I guess here, what are some of the values behind, or not the values behind, what value do you bring in the growth saloon, like what could, if I signed up today, whatever it is to join your company is what am I getting out of it or what should I expect to get out of it? And then also how are like, is there sub communities within or like how are other communities that you're involved in or like what communities you want to build? So teach us something cool is like a sub community within uh, growth saloon. It's like the first sub community, right? Um, uh, other than that, like the main thing I was doing for a long time was streaming the stock so I've got a sector of my website, which is a marketing website, but it's kind of like an Easter egg on there where people can go look at all the information that I've been putting together. Like I've got like a spreadsheet that I would work on during my streams where I'd enter all this information from companies' reports uh, or from investor presentations and whatnot. Um, and I'd compile it and people ask me how they can access it for so long. And I'm like, well, I've got to host it on a website somewhere. I'll just make it an Easter egg on mine so people can make like an account on there for free. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not charging any money for being a part of it. It's just something that I wanted to do to begin with. Document, don't create, Gary V. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's on my website where you can go and you can look at, you know, all of the juicy info that you would need to find in the company's annual report that if you don't know what you're looking at, you're not going to understand how to find it in the first place. So I've done that, you know, calculates shit automatically, updates automatically with formulas for my Google sheet that integrates with my website. I don't know. It's a... Whole rabbit hole. We don't have to dive down, yeah. but like that's like one thing, right? When you teach us something cool is one thing where you're just learning new new shit every week. Book club that's learning cool shit, um, and then you know the other sector on my website is just around my YouTube channel is stocks. It's uh, you know having me and analyze annual reports, quarterly reports, uh, investor presentations. Um, you can find all that information on my website too. Uh, where it goes from there. I always wanted to maybe do marketing, but we you talked about it. It's like I specialize in SEO. Yeah, I do other shit too. But it's, like, it can only be so exciting, SEO, dude. It's you it's, do it yourself, but no one wants to hear anyone talk about SEO. I don't. I don't want to fucking put videos out there of me talking about SEO. Fuck like, no. I, Fuck no. Like I know how to do it, but like, no. Pay me, I'll do it for you. Like that's that's like my mentality. With it. Yeah, I, I feel. Well, right? well, the thing with SEO is it's. It's valuable to, to business to business. Like if you go to a small business or whatever company and offer them SEO services, they might be interested. But the average consumer, someone that's just, you know, using social media or whatever, they have no interest in SEO because it doesn't do anything for them. So exactly. you're marketing that to businesses, not to customers or consumers. Um, so I guess what's what's one of the ways that you try to attract people to these communities? Like how have you... What are strides you've made to say, like, hey, if you're into this or if you're into that, this is where you need to go? Or, like, do you have anything that you walk people through when you explain Growth Saloon or what it is or how it can help them? 
So I've, I actually haven't even tried to like build Gross Saloon as like a community. It's just like my YouTube channel is like I guess what you would call the community right now. Yeah, you've just been putting out uh, content then, right? Like I told you, I, I I make a lot of my moves in silence, and like there's a lot of kinks in my you know YouTube channel that I want to work out, and I want people to find organically. Like I've built about 100 subscribers on there, which is cool. Nothing crazy, but you know it's it's nice. Um, but I'm figuring out as I go. Man, I want to make higher quality videos. Man, my audio quality is not great. How can I improve that? My video quality is not great. How can I improve that? My lighting is fucking shit. How can I improve that? Yeah. Like, as I'm learning content creation, like I want to take it slow, and then when it's when I feel like it's a little bit more polished and ready, then I take to something like Instagram. Yeah. Right? And start advertising it on my stories to people who I already know, where they can show up there, and there's already a community that's been built. I gotta um, say, you are damn good at vlogging. <laughs> like, over the years, I've seen so much, so many videos of you vlogging just the randomest things to now teach us something cool. Like, I don't, it, it's, I think it's a gift you've got that some people have. <laughs> it's like they know how to just look into the phone or look into the camera and just talk to what they they virtually see as like a night show almost. <laughs> like, it's so weird. That's what I did growing up. Dude. I watched a lot of Jay Leno with my mom and. <laughs> been a big big your conan i was loved. i was just gonna say conan dude he was my oh shit my still God, is so fucking funny. all the night shows that's like a dream job for anyone that loves talking to people is just having a night show oh yeah it, it, they they're like the, the og joe rogan's like just getting the totally like dopest people um except joe rogan I, did his own badass way not being on a tv network <laughs> exactly like he kind of he was the pioneer it feels like uh where you're just talking you know you're you're he's podcasting but uh you know on video yeah, he's talking and to his friends <laughs> that's that's the name of the game is like you know just do uh with you know how i i, I don't i appreciate you saying I'm, I'm good at it uh it's something you know obviously i'm actively working on getting better at it as well you know what what should i put here how can i attract people to like actually want to take action off of this that's the hard thing with marketing is what's my call to action here what do i want to do yeah not just watch um but I watch a lot of YouTube growing up too. Like I love YouTube. Alex can tell you, I've, you know, I've, <laughs> rabbit I've holes. watched my fair share of YouTube. Rabbit holes, dude, on YouTube. If I, if I have a low day where I'm not doing a lot or if it's not a busy week with school or work or whatever, I'm in a rabbit hole on YouTube probably. Oh, that's so good, dude. That's <laughs> what I, like, I watch it every night before we go to bed too. Like, you know, I yeah. don't watch vloggers anymore, like really, but I used to back in like, I don't know, 2010 ish. <laughs> yeah. I watch a lot of vlogs and, uh, you, know, you pick up shit from there, but like, yeah, you can just I can pick up my phone and just have fun with it. Like, it's it's hilarious. Like, getting to talk to someone really, you're just talking to yourself and you're just putting it out there. Um, yeah, well, just like, a good time with it. like you're saying, with like, how can you improve what you basically described as production quality with lighting, uh, video editing, audio editing, whatever it is? That's all important, but I would rather listen to Joe Rogan talk through shitty audio and all editing quality, all production quality at a low than listen to a hobo on the side of the street with perfect uh, production quality <laughs> right, because right. the content that's in there is actually what's important. Yeah. It's, it's exactly it's, it's, there's two huge factors of the content and the actual production of it. But, um, holy shit, like content is content is king for sure. It, it's, it's critical. And I, 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 exactly what you're saying was what I guess piggybacking to what we were talking about earlier is, you know, you don't have to be great to start, but you need to start in order to become great. And, yeah. uh, it's not a matter of me not wanting to start. Like, obviously I'm starting right now. The point I guess I'm making is I don't want to, I have a certain reach, right? Like on Instagram, I can reach 2,800 people or something or, or mm -hmm. change, right? And of that 2,800, 
you know, X hundred will watch my stories and then X hundred of those will follow all the way through to the end of my stories. And that's actually fun to see. Like, that's what you work on improving is how can I get people to stay through the entire minute of me blabbing my mouth? Um, yeah. And, you know, from there, you don't want to, you, you don't want to squeeze your reach dry before you have a polished product where if I were to like, you know, two months from now, hopefully I've improved a lot in two months is typically improve exponentially. Uh, over time, I'm going to have a much more polished product that time where I can be like, yeah, I think if I were to advertise to them now, they would stick. Like they would show up. Yeah. They'd understand. And based they on stick. your improvements, based on you, you being more familiar with what's at, everything that's involved there. Yeah. Exactly. I think Trendsetter is a good example of us squeezing our reach dry. Too yeah. Soon. Yeah. And uh, if we would have well, either gone faster or uh, done, you know, that, that, that outreach later after the product was done or close to done, where we're ready to start testing it. You know, you can beta test the real way. You start with a small sample, find the gaps, take care of those people, and then fix the gaps, have them test some more, and then you add more people, and you add more people, and you add more people, and then eventually you got an awesome product that people can find organically, and they're like, this is fucking dope. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the name of the game with, at least how I see it with what I do and anything I do. Yeah. Wow. I mean, overall community building is huge for any business, but if it's anything entrepreneurial, it's everything powerful, dude. Yeah, it's, I agree. That's that's build up MRR quick. We always, uh, we can look at like our Spotify analytics all the time. And, um, I'm sure you have noticed that like sometimes through teach us something cool, people fall off. Like you just mm -hmm. lose people some way through. So we can do yes. that. We can see on Spotify. Usually viewership drops about, 20 30 minutes in maybe and then it might pick up again later people come back and listen to it whatever it is or some people just don't even listen to the whole episode and so whatever we don't expect you to listen to the whole thing i don't want to listen to myself talk for an hour and i usually don't finish a podcast in one whole sitting but another personal either yeah no not at all most people be like, i'll be honest it's funny most people will be like i have like friends at work they're like i'll be honest I didn't listen to the whole episode and I'm like, dude, I wouldn't either. Like, fuck it. I don't I, care. <laughs> I love Joe Rogan and I don't listen to every single one of his episodes. Hell no, you can't. I listen to like an hour, hour and a half. You can't. And another exciting part of the whole Spotify analytics thing is you can see the countries or regions that you've got viewership in. And I would rather that we have full viewership in Hong Kong or, or whatever it is that other than America, just cause I think that'd be so cool to see people in new areas other than my friends and family listening to my podcast. Like right now I'm looking exactly. at, we have the United States and then we have Germany, United Kingdom, Brazil, Hong Kong, Hungary, and Canada. Somehow, I don't know why there's a few random stragglers from other countries that found our podcast somewhere along the way. And I'm like, that's fucking sick. I want more people to, from other countries listening to J side and it's exciting. All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the J-Side Podcast. Uh, we had a good time with Michael. I really appreciate you coming on the show, talking everything that we talked about. Um, if you want to actually have any inquiries about the episode or the interview or with Mike and all of his ventures in life, uh, you can contact me and I can put you in touch with him or you can contact him. I, our contacts are at J-Side Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or you can email us at jsidepodcast at gmail.com. And if there's anything you want to add, low, go for it. Yeah, I mean, you can reach out to me on any of my socials, uh, Instagram, Mike Lowe Official. I am not the fraud weatherman from WGN. That's <laughs> Mike Lowe. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Mike's Twitter, with a U-R at the end, E-R, unavailable, surprisingly. Um, or on Clubhouse. 
at Mike Lowe. I have locked that one down. Um, that's where we do teach us something cool every single Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, it's like a book club, but for learning cool shit. So we're going to do that tomorrow night. Topic's going to be Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Actually, I'm expecting it to be like our, our best show yet. So you definitely want to check that out, or you can listen if you're not able to make it. Uh, on our YouTube channel, it's going to be Growth Saloon, G-R-O-W-T-H-S-A-L-O-O-N. Um, Growth Saloon on YouTube. Mixture of stock shit on there, too. If you don't care about stocks, don't worry about that. But you can find us on there, or you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much any place you can listen to a podcast. You can find us there. Teach us something cool. New episodes every single week. So we got that coming for you all tomorrow night live. If you'd like to ask questions, recommend future topics, pretty much anything. Add something in the conversation. Be a part of the podcast. It's a live podcast live podcast that we're uh, basically taping. So, that again, tomorrow night. Well, might be a little bit late. I don't know when we're going to post this podcast, Jay, but... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know about that. Yeah, well, thanks yeah, so much for Wednesday's coming on. Wednesday's at 8.30. Yeah. Yeah, well, every Wednesday at 8.30 you can find it, but thanks so much for coming <laughs> on, Lo. Uh, I had a good time talking to you. We can see where Gross Saloon has grown in the years. <laughs> Dude, when the saloon is brewing, we can talk. Okay, sounds talk good. Sure. All right, thanks, well, everyone. i my podcast, too, All right. Thanks, everyone.